Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. I love my props, and you might be very interested to know why you have signs on the stage that say Splash Zone. Has anybody had any curiosity to why there's signs and stuff? Yeah, I see you. Mm-hmm. So here's how this goes. How many of you have ever been to SeaWorld, or at least know about SeaWorld? If you're a Floridian, you know. And you know the Shamu show, okay? And if you go, and that's this amazing show where these amazing killer whales are trained to do these awesome tricks, but one of the biggest things that gets people excited is the fact that these killer whales splash you, okay? So they have labeled very clearly in the front of the stadium, splash zone, you will get wet. And during the show, they actually put signs on the screens that are blinking, splash time, splash time, splash time. And these whales are trained to like cup their tails and just splash and splash. And they just go back and forth and they just splash all the people sitting in the splash zone. Now, some people know that it's a splash zone and they're ready and excited, but I love watching the people that have no idea what's coming because then they get drenched. And how many of you know that water Water is cold because it's for killer whales, people. It's cold water. So let me tell you something. When I go to the Shamu show, it's a lot of fun, but I find a correlation between the different individuals that go to the Shamu show versus different people that come to church. And today I'm going to share with you four different types of people that you're going to find at a Shamu show that's very similar to four different types of people that you're going to find in church. So if you will, bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's pray for God's anointing to come into this place. Dearly Father, thank you so much for this word. I know it's your word because, Lord, I'm not that creative. But God, I thank you for the opportunity I have to speak. I pray, God, that you will use me as a willing vessel to speak your word clearly and help these people to just receive it in the manner that you want them to receive it. And God, I pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because when we leave here today, we're not going to leave here the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, by the way, just to prepare you, because I want you to expect it, we are having an altar time, okay? So if you weren't preparing for altar time, well, I'm sorry, it's happening. And so um, I'm expecting that by the end of this service that God's going to move you, and we are going to spend time basking in the Holy Spirit, because we want to be fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. So today, I want to talk to you about the first individual that goes to a Shamu show, all right? This is what I call the onlooker. They're the person that they're seeing a crowd go into the stadium and they're like, okay, what's going on? And so they're following the crowd. Now they don't want to really get in like immersed in the wetness and stuff. And they don't really want to fully experience the show because they don't know what to expect. So what they're going to do is they're going to typically sit near the top of the stadium and they're going to sit there and they're going to watch and they're going to see everything that's happening. But in all honesty, they have no desire to really experience the show, get all excited about it. So when they leave, they're not really telling people about it, but when it comes up in conversation, they're going to go, oh yeah, I was there. 
Yeah, I was there. I saw that. Yeah, the whale did this. The whale did that. Yeah, it's kind of cool, you know. And that's what happens. They're what I call the onlooker. And believe it or not, in the church, this reminds me of the people, like in, in the Gospels, the crowds that follow Jesus. Because every time you looked in the Gospels, when Jesus was going to all these towns doing all these amazing miracles, people were always there watching. I mean, he had all these crowds. But, excuse me, sadly, many of these crowds never fully recognized who was in front of him. They never fully recognized what Jesus was doing, and they never repented of their sins, and they never actually did anything to change their lives. They just followed the crowd, and they went around, and they said, yeah, I was there. I saw it. So let's read, because Jesus finally takes a moment to address some of these people. So if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, by the way, I have lots of scriptures today, okay? Also, if you look in the sound booth, you can't see him because he's tiny, but my son is running the computer today, all right? Um, child labor people, um, we need adults to step up and work the computer because right now we're using an 11-year-old to run the computer. So if you have any idea of how to push a button, 11-year-old can do it. You can do it, I promise. But yeah, I can see your head, Eli, but you, you, you barely can see him, his little blonde head. So bear with him as he's having to follow his mama going all over these scriptures. All right, so Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is casting judgment on some of these towns with all these crowds that saw these miracles and didn't like make any change. They didn't repent. So starting with verse 20, it says this, Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you have been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. And I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you have been done in the Wickham um, Sidon, um, it would still be here today. And I tell you, even as Sodom will be better off on judgment day than you. Y'all, if you actually look at these towns and the miracles, Jesus did so many miracles. Y'all, he healed the blind. He raised the dead. He feed the 5,000. He did all these miracles in these towns that he's talking about. And these towns still did not repent. These towns were still full of onlookers that were just like, hey, I'm a part of the crowd, but I have no desire. They missed what was really happening in front of them. And that is so heartbreaking. Now in the church, there may be people here this morning, and there probably is, that maybe you're here and you can kind of relate because maybe you were invited and you're not really sure what this church thing's all about. And let me tell you something, it's not just church, it's a Christian lifestyle. And you're not sure what it's about, but you're trying to observe, you're trying to watch, you're trying to figure out, hey, is this a genuine thing? Do I want to fully get immersed in this? Can I tell you that I pray by the end of this service that you will understand that there is true freedom and really coming down to these altars and getting filled with the Holy Spirit and letting God come and be your Lord and Savior. So today, though, there's people and they're watching in church. If you claim to be a Christian, you are now the show. People are watching you. So these onlookers, these crowds, they're watching to see if the church really is what it says it is. And mind you, that's going to be another type of person we're going to talk about in a second. But you, the church, are the show. They're watching. They're looking at our 
performance on stage. We know it's not a performance. We know we're worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but they don't. They're observing and they're trying to soak it up and they're trying to see, hey, is this something I really want to step in? And I pray that the Holy Spirit will come over them and say, hey, check it out. This is legit. I, my presence is here. Now, church, let me tell you something. Our job is to be loving and encouraging and welcoming. Just like Pastor Scott said this morning, you know, we hope if you're new here, you felt so welcome the moment you walked into the store and you felt nothing but love and kindness because as a church, that's what we're supposed to do. It is not our job to shove unbelievers down to these altars and be like, you need to get saved. It's not our job, all right? The Lord is the one that does the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit conviction and is like, hey, you need to go down there. We just be an extension of his love. That's what we're supposed to do. And we've got to be genuine. So this morning, can I encourage you, if you are one of those people that you are, uh, you know, it's your first time here or you're new to this Christianity thing, I encourage you, stick it out to this message. And I pray that you are seeing genuine Christians in this place. Now, the second type of person that attends the Shamu show is what I call the reluctant participant. This person is going to the show because their kids have drugged them to the show. Or maybe their grandkids, or maybe their friends are going. But see, they really don't want to get wet. They really don't want to get involved in the show. They're going because their family's going. They're reluctant, but they're there. And this is what they look like. So excuse me, I have to do a costume change, so hold on. See, they're reluctant. They go into the Shamu show, and you know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm one of these people, because I don't like to get wet. If I go to a water park, I'm supposed to get wet. But if I go to a theme park, I'm not supposed to get wet. So if I go to the Shamu show and I have to sit in the wet zone, I'm going to be like this. But seriously, they wear the ponchos. They look ridiculous. They got the umbrellas. And they're not, they don't got them cheap little umbrellas. They got the big ones, okay? Because them whales put out a lot of water. And when that whale comes, they put that umbrella in there because they don't want to get wet. But they can at least say they were there. They can at least say that they were with their family, but they're very reluctant. They don't want to be there. And I, can I just tell you, you look silly. I look silly when I'm at the SeaWorld show. I don't care, but still, I look silly. But the thing is, is this reminds me of an individual in the book of Mark that Jesus is talking to, and it's the story about the rich man. So if you will, turn with me to Mark chapter 10, and let's take a look at this rich man real quick while I take off this costume. Starting in verse 17 of chapter 10, this is what it says. Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, and a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, that must, I'm sorry, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all those commandments since I was young. My favorite part of this passage, verse 21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell, 
and he went away sad, for he had many, many possessions. Now, what we need to understand is this man was a good man. This man had obeyed the commandments according to this little passage that we have here. He was a good man, but this man still had things that he had not or was not willing to completely surrender. He was reluctant. So think about what Pastor preached about with the frogs last week. You know, you gave up your frogs. Some of you came down here and gave your frogs, and some of you took them back. Okay, you're reluctant. So some of us are still coming into church wearing ponchos and umbrellas looking silly because we're reluctant to fully get in to the presence of God. We're fully, we don't want to surrender. We're not ready to surrender. We're reluctant. We're holding on to something. And what I love what we find in Luke when Jesus is talking now, this passage is found in all four gospels. But Luke is the only one that refers to it this way. So if you flip with me to Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross daily and follow me. Because if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but yourself, lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. We have to be willing to sacrifice ourselves daily. Daily, we have to give up stuff. Y'all, we can't be bringing them frogs back every single week and coming, you know, we got to say, God, I give it to you daily. We can't be keep coming up in church being that reluctant participant because we're afraid, God, if I give you this, if I give you that, then what's gonna happen? Now, this man in this passage into the rich man his weakness was his wealth. Now, some of you, it might be your wealth. Some of you might be amazing people. You're good people. But how many of you know there's going to be a lot of good people not in heaven, okay? But there's so many times that good people, they may come to church, they may give to missions, but there's still something that they're holding on to. And this man, his thing was money. Sometimes money is a hang-up. And I'm not going to lie, I need to pay my bills, okay? I understand. But on the flip side, if it's something, if God tells me to give or God tells me to do and I don't, then I'm reluctant and I'm not letting him use me in a mighty way. And I'm just as well as wear a poncho to church on a Sunday morning because I'm not willing to give over my life and be a complete surrender to him. And I church wants you to understand, we need to remember that daily when we go to Walmart, we got to make sure that we are sacrificing ourselves and wanting to, you know, punch somebody, you know, how many Walmart, Walmart brings out the best of people. Actually, for Miss Rose's sake, Hobby Lobby, please, if you go to Hobby Lobby, be kind. You know, she was telling me the ladies at Hobby Lobby, like, all these customers are mad because it's taking so long. I mean, you only spent four hours in the store. That's not her fault, you know. I mean, I'm going to Hobby Lobby again next week, and I'll probably spend seven hours. But I'm not going to treat her like garbage because I didn't get it done fast enough because she was trying to learn the computer. But seriously, you sometimes, you have to swallow it and go, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And you have to say, I sacrifice my flesh daily. Daily, daily, daily. We have to sacrifice our flesh and take up the cross and be Jesus. And daily, we have to come to the altar sometimes and say, God, I got to give it to you. I don't want to be that reluctant participant. I want you to have it. But the thing about it is, that's not the only type of people that are at the Shamu show. This next type of people, now this is going to hurt somebody's feelings, but it's okay. I, it's the Lord, not me. Um, this kind of people is what I call the hypocrite. Uh, they're the kind of people that go to the Shamu show. They are in the splash zone, right? They're with their family. They're enjoying the show. They get completely soaked. And they're like, yes. And they're having a great time. But as soon as the show is over, 
What do they do? If you watch them closely, and let me tell you something, the onlookers, they're watching them. And what happens is they go to a locker that's just outside the stadium, and they pick up a backpack full of dry clothes and a towel. And what they do is they completely and totally change themselves so that nobody ever knows that they were even at the show. Now, how many of you know that's a lot of things that happens in the church sometimes? We come to church, we act a certain way, and then as soon as we leave these church doors, we put on a whole different persona, a whole different speech, a whole different way of doing things, and nobody even knows that we are Christian. And sadly, that's one thing that is driving so many people from the church, people. 17% back in 2017 left the church because of hypocrites. 10 years, no, not 10 years, well, how many? Six years later, we're in 2023, it's now 27% of the church is leaving because of hypocrites. Now, honestly, pastor says a hypocrite coming between you and God, at least the hypocrite's closer to God than you. That's fine. But the truth of the matter is, we have to understand the onlookers, they're watching us. The world is watching us. Are we coming up in here on Sunday mornings, church, and getting filled with the Spirit and getting in worship, and we're like, yes, I love God, I love that, and then we go out there and we're cussing people out, giving them the middle finger and all sorts of things? I mean, let's be honest. Some of y'all, I hear you. Mm. Teenagers on Facebook and social, well, they don't have Facebook anymore. Teenagers on Instagram and stuff. I got one student in the school right now. He doesn't go here, but he's affiliated with here. And in school the other day, he was not acting like Jesus. His posts are nothing but Jesus. But in school the other day, he was not acting like Jesus. And I called him out. I said, mm -mm, you're not going to sit here and be like, I love Jesus on social media, but in here, act like a fool. I said, it ain't happening. Which one is it? Wishy washy child. But seriously, adults are guilty of it too. We do the same thing. And Jesus has something to say about it. If you turn to Mark chapter 7, this is what Jesus is saying as he's mad at the Pharisees because the Pharisees are constantly trying to act better than they are. And he tells them in Mark chapter 7 verse 6, Jesus replied, you hypocrites. He called them out. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me, and they worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God, for you ignore God's laws and substitute your own tradition. And also, we can't stop there. We gotta go to James real quick. James is amazing, I love James. I just did a James series with the teenagers, and I love it because James is in your face. Okay, but this is what James says. James chapter three, verses seven through 10. He says, people can tame all types of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison, and sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. We've got to be careful, church. We've got to be careful that when people are coming in, and remember, we're the show, that what they see here is the same person that they see when we go to Chili's or we go to Golden Corral or we go to Walmart or go to the doctor's office. We need to make sure that people are looking at us and saying, hey, there's a genuine Christian right there. I have worked in the secular workforce for years. I'm in the schools. The kids know me in the schools as the church lady. And it works to my favor. Not that I go and preach the gospel in schools. It's a public school. I'm not allowed to do that. But they just know based off of my personality and obviously all of our help in the schools that we do as a church. But one, not going to lie, one day I was in the classroom 
And a bunch of kids were like cussing and arguing or whatever. Before I even had the opportunity to correct them, another kid says, hey, hey, we don't do that in front of the church lady. Mm -mm. We don't cuss in front of the church lady. We don't do that. And I was like, well, thank you. You know, and I always tell them, if it don't come out of my mouth, it don't come out of your mouth. And they're like, what? And I said, so if I don't say those words, you don't say them words. And so I have created a reputation, though, in the schools. And thankfully, it's respected. I'm very fortunate that it's respected right now. Um, I'm also known as a sex ed lady because I go in and teach that, too. And that's fun. Um, and so I'm the church sex ed lady. Ain't that interesting? But they know. <laughs> they know. And I'm just blessed that we had those opportunities to go and be an example um, actually, I have to have back surgery. I don't know when they're going to schedule it sometime this week to have be done. I don't know. ASAP is what they said. But I had to get my pre-op done and I need a primary doctor. Well, I don't have a primary doctor and you can yell at me all you want for that. But what it is, what it is. So pastor had recommended I go to his doctor, which is like an urgent care doctor. So I go to him on Wednesday right after the hurricane. I left the shelter and I went straight to there and I said, hey, I've got to have this pre-op. Can I can y'all take care of this? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, okay. And I was telling him that I worked for Pastor Strickland. And so already he has all this respect for Pastor Strickland. Like he's like, oh yes, I know Pastor Strickland. I know Miss Marsh and all that. He has all this respect. And then we're talking and, and I was like, I'm his youth pastor. I work for him. He goes, wait, they have female pastors? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, we do. And so he goes, I'm Muslim, so I, I don't know. He's like, I don't, I don't really understand. And it opened up a conversation. And let me just tell you, God has blessed that encounter. And then, of course, at the end of the day, whenever he was checking me out, he was asking me all these questions like, well, how did you become a female pastor? <laughs> I'm like, well, the same way you become a male pastor, you know. Um, same way. But it was nice to have that opportunity and that I got to actually, you know, be a witness to him. But I just think about how Pastor Strickland and his, his encounters with him, he has this respect. And this man's a Muslim. You know what I mean? Just think about how awesome that is that we can have this amazing interaction with these people that believe differently than us, but we can have a relationship and they know that we're authentic and we're genuine. Y'all, that's what people want to see. They want to see if we're authentic, if we're all, you know, if we're genuine. They want to know if what we are talking about in this Bible and what we preach is really how we act. So when we are coming to church, can we like not be a hypocrite, please. Um, now, in all honesty, there's going to be some in this room, and that's just how it is. But I am actually praying that today, at the end of the service, that God's going to begin to stir in those hearts and begin to show you, you might even not realize you're doing it, but God's going to begin to show you, hey, you know how you act towards that person? Yeah, that's not my love. You know, you're not treating them. That's also my son and daughter. Yes, they're annoying. Yes, they drive me crazy, but they're also my son and daughter, and you need to love them and treat them white. And so I want to encourage you guys, be prepared, because guess what? The last person that we're going to talk about is the person that is sold out, the person that's all in. Now, when you go to the Shamu show, this person is going to sit in the splash zone. They're probably going to sit in the front row and they're going to sit front and center because they want to get soaked. I don't like these people, uh, but they want to get soaked and they're going to sit there and they're going to just get drenched from head to toe and they're going to be so excited. And then when they leave the stadium, you know that they were there because they leave wet butt prints everywhere they go. <laughs> I'm serious. If you go to a park that's got a water slide or like, you know, you got such as like, you know, SeaWorld's got the Shamu show and you go to a dry ride and you're expecting to sit on a dry seat, but you go to sit down and now your butt's wet 
because somebody with a wet butt was there before you, you know that they were either on a water slide or they were at the Shamu show. And so that's frustrating for me when I want to be dry. I try really hard to stay dry, y'all. And so these people, they leave wet butt prints. You can't sit on a park bench because they got wet butt prints, all right? Their little feet, they got little feet prints, you know, the squishy shoes. I can't stand water in my shoes, but they're like, squish, 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 you know, everywhere they go. You know they're coming. And they're the type of people that love to hug dry people. <laughs> Think about your children and grandchildren. When they're playing and they're in the water and they're, you know, that you're dry. Oh, grandma, hug me. Mom, hug me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm dry. And they, they just, they want to get you wet because they're excited and they want people to see it. They want people to experience what they just experienced. And can I encourage you, church? This is how we're supposed to be as a church. We're supposed to be so excited that we experience God in his house that we, when we leave here, we're leaving wet butt prints everywhere we go. Amen. Seriously, we are going out there and people are going to notice that something's different about us and not that we look different but we're also going to tell them and we're going to be excited we might not hug people because that might be considered you know assault but we might go and just tell them hey guess what God's awesome. God loves you. You're awesome. Can I talk to you about Jesus? I think so many times we as a church, we don't realize that we have got to fulfill the great commission, that we've got to go and tell people, and we've got to be excited about it. Matthew 28 is the great commission. If you're a church any bit of your life, then you know what Matthew 28 says. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus tells his disciple, Therefore, go and make more disciples throughout all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands I have given you and be sure of this, that I am with you always, even till the end of the age. So when you go out and you are telling people about your experience with God and you are telling people that you are, you've experienced him at the altars and that you're changed and that they can be changed and they can experience them too. We're going out, we're making disciples and guess what? We're not doing it by ourselves. We have Jesus there with us till the end of our age and people are gonna see the good things that we do by how we act. Go a little bit further in Matthew. Matthew chapter five, verse 16. It tells us that in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. People want to see true Christians. In this world, we have a target on our back. But that's okay, because guess what? We have an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. We have an opportunity to live it out and get people excited. Y'all always say, I talk too fast. I try not to, but I'm excited. I want you guys to understand it's exciting to talk about Jesus. It's exciting to tell this story to people. And I pray and hope that today when we come to these altars, that you will experience this Holy Spirit that we talk about all the time. If you've never experienced it, then I pray that you will begin to experience it. And I pray that you, when you leave here, that people will see based off of your faith and your works, because God, James, James 2, 26 says, faith without works is dead. If we don't go out there and show our faith by our actions and what we're doing, then people aren't going to know that we're genuine. They're not going to know about this Jesus that we're so excited to worship on Sunday mornings. We serve a bigger God than a Sunday morning God. That's a quote. Write that down. I just made that up. Um, but seriously, we got to make sure that we are telling people and that we're not ashamed. Paul gives us encouragement in Romans 1.16 that says, I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ because it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes the Jew first and the Gentile. 
Y'all, this message of the good news, this message of the gospel is for everybody, even the Muslim. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to convert this man because I still need some medical work and I need to get it done. But the point is, I'm going to be Jesus. And it's so funny because this doctor and every doctor that I've talked to between June and now, I've had, I don't know, six doctors trying to figure out what's wrong with my back. Um, they're like, why aren't you in pain? I said, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. That's all I got to say, because like, I don't know. I'm not on any medications. I'm not definitely not doing anything. Um, is this the Lord? I mean, that's the only thing I can say. I mean, you could try to scientifically say my nerves are being pinched or whatever. I don't care. But the fact that I'm standing here today, I'm not in pain and I'm not like, you know, having any issues to me, that's the Lord. And then me being able to say that to all these doctors is going to be a testimony of who he is, who God is. Not me, because I didn't do nothing. I'm trust me, I'm not doing nothing for my back. Like, it's what can you do? It's squished. Um, but the point is, is I get an opportunity to be Jesus just by walking. That's an opportunity that we can have. Some of y'all don't realize the power in that. When you go to the doctors and you can say, hey, this is what God has done in my life, people are shocked. When I tell them all these other things that I've had wrong with me, and they're like, what? I said, I know, I'm just an interesting case, but it's the Lord, you know? He made me. I apparently got issues, but it is what it is. So now I get to meet you because the process has got me to you. So I'm excited to see what this next journey is going to be with my back surgery and all that. Um, Y'all pray for me because, not because of surgery, I don't really care about that. Um, I have to like not do anything for a while, like six months. And I don't know how to do that. And um, if you think I'm bossy now, I'm going to really be bossy for the next six months because I'm not supposed to pick up more than a gallon of milk or something. And y'all, I'm an independent woman, so it's really hard for me to like not do anything. But I have to trust that God has a plan in all this and that maybe this is God's way of saying, Amanda, sit down and shut up and let somebody else do it. <laughs> I don't know. So let me praying. But seriously, we want God to be evident in our lives. We want people to see it. And how do we have that boldness? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is how we have that boldness. If you've never experienced the Holy Spirit, then I pray this morning that's going to change. Because I can tell you, when I preached this sermon back in 2017 on July 2nd, I had just got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit on June 26th, that week prior at youth camp. And it has been something I have been seeking for years. So when I preached the sermon six years ago, I was in a different point in my life than I am right now. But I can tell you that I am so excited that that happened then and that I can sit here and preach to you today to tell you that it's still real, that that wasn't a mistake back then, that wasn't a one-time thing, that I am living in the Spirit every single day. I am practicing in the Spirit. I'm praying in the Spirit. And I'm trying to not be Amanda. Because guess what? Jesus needs to be seen, not Amanda, right? So how do we have this encounter? What does this encounter of the Holy Spirit look like? So if you will, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Let's get a little, little prerequisite. Jesus is talking right before he ascends into heaven, and he's talking to his disciples. And we're going to start with verse 4 of chapter 1, and he says this, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now jump down to verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
Now, as a teenager, when I read that, when I think about we have power, I think of like superhero power, you know? That's not how it works, no. It's not superpowers like a superhero. But the fact is, is we have this boldness and we have this thing that we can't explain. And when we have the Holy Spirit, we have an authority over the enemy and we have an opportunity to share Christ's love with people. So I wanna encourage you, we need to be in the presence and waiting for it and getting emerged into the splash zone so the Holy Spirit can come and take over us. So this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. So the disciples, they listened to Jesus. They stayed. He ascended. They stayed. Starting in chapter 2, verse 1, this is what happened. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and every one present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Y'all, we have an opportunity to experience God's presence right now. We were at the shelter on last week and you know, in that gym, you hear the wind. Now I will tell you, we were very fortunate that we didn't have the, all the devastation that happened here, like that did happen a little bit further north. But back in November, when Hurricane Nicole came through and we slept in the gym for the shelter, you hear the wind. I mean, you, the, the tiles and the lights swing, and it gets a little sketchy. Um, but seriously, think about that for a second. That's, that's nature. But think about the fact of Jesus and the Holy Spirit coming in as a roaring wind and knowing that there's that peace that something great is about to happen. And I believe that that peace and that greatness is about to happen this morning if you're ready to listen and wait for it. So what happens is they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Peter begins to preach to the crowd. Peter, a man who denied Jesus three times is now filled with the Holy Spirit and is a spitfire for him. And this is what he did. Let's go down to chapter two, verse 16. And this is what um, Peter was preaching. Now what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men and will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. And the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red. And that great and glorious day of the Lord arise. But everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Jumped over to verse 38. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is to you and to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Can I encourage you to think about this for a second? As a church, we have a responsibility to pass this on to the next generation, to the next generation. If you're a grandparent, then you had it passed on to your children, your children to their children. You know, I'm not a grandparent yet, but I am passing this on to my children. And then, of course, my children, hopefully to their children. This Holy Spirit, this experience is not meant to be just staying here in our generation. It's supposed to be passed on. And we need to encourage our next generation to rise up and be filled with the Holy Spirit and have that boldness. How many of you know the world is not a friendly place right now? And the world is attacking Christians. And you know what? That's just going to be how it is until the end times. It's just how it is. But the truth of the matter is we should not be discouraged and we should not allow that to stop us from still wanting the boldness of the Holy Spirit. So can I encourage you 
Tonight, as we get into, well, it's not tonight, it's this morning, excuse me. Can I encourage you this morning that when we get into this atmosphere of worship, and worship team, you can go ahead and come on up. Can we seek out the presence of God? Can we seek out the Holy Spirit? I don't know which one of these four individuals that you relate to from the Shamu show. I don't know if you are the onlooker and this is your first time here. Maybe you've come once or twice. You're trying to figure it out. I don't know if you are the individual that's reluctant because you don't want to give up everything. You're holding on to something and you're like, God, I just, I can't give that up, God. I don't know how to do it without it. And maybe you're that person that's a hypocrite. Uh, God bless you. Um, maybe that's you. And maybe all, some of you have already been all in, but you need a fresh outpouring. I know I need a fresh outpouring daily because I need the Holy Spirit daily. I want us to get into an atmosphere that we can come down to these altars and first seek God for forgiveness because that's what Peter just said. You've got to repent of your sins. So if there's anybody in here that has a sin or has something that they got to deal with, they got to repent. And they got to surrender that over to God. Just like with pastor's message with the frauds, you got to surrender that. You got to say, God, I'm giving this to you, but I'm not taking it back. I'm leaving it here and I'm not taking it back. That's the first step. But once you receive that forgiveness, once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as the person that's going to take care of everything, then the Holy Spirit has room to make work and to come in. And that's when you say, all right, Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because the moment you set Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit. But a lot of people get confused with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They think, oh, well, I don't have it. And they think it's like something you seek for, like a, like, a, like a gift you find at the store. That's not how it works. A lot of times, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we just have to be completely and totally surrender and say, God, it's all you, it's not me. And we have to let go of that doubt and that fear that might be, we're going to look funny, we're going to look silly, people are going to make fun of us, it's not real, blah, blah, blah. That's the enemy. The enemy wants to tell you that it's not real. The enemy wants to tell you that it's not genuine. But can I encourage you this morning, when you come to these altars and you say, I want to get completely and totally immersed, I want to come to the splash zone and get the Holy Spirit, not just toe deep, not just knee deep, not just waist deep. I want to be completely dunked. I want to be soaked that whenever I leave this place, people are going to see wet butt prints everywhere I go. And I want you to understand that when you have the boldness of the Holy Spirit, there will be no fear because you know that the power in you is greater than any fear that the enemy could put in front of you. And you're going to have that desire to tell people about Jesus. But it's not going to be easy. It's not because we just, we're living in a world that's not easy. And Peter told us about it. So if you will, everybody across this room, this is what's going to happen. I want you to stand up. I am going to read to you 1 Peter chapter 4, the entire chapter. And I want you to read what Peter spoke to the church and what Peter was telling us, how our life's gonna be once we accept Christ and how we start living for Him. It's not an easy change. When I get done reading it, I'm gonna pray. And after I pray, I wanna encourage you, come to these altars, repent of sins and seek out the Holy Spirit and bask in His presence because church, we need it desperately. And I want us to be encouraged because it's easy for the enemy to come in and tell us lies. But when we hold on to the word of God and we look at what Peter tells us, so we look at what Jesus speaks to us, we know that there is hope and we know that there is power and we know that we are not alone, that Jesus is with us. So let me read to you, starting in chapter four, verse one of 1 Peter, this is what it said. So then, 
Since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like people, they now live forever with a God in the spirit. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. But most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. He's not done. Verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. And if you are insulted because of you bear the name of Christ, then you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. And if you suffer, however it be, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, prying into people's business, but if it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment and it must begin with God's household, that's us. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. And also, if the righteous, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. I don't know who needs to hear those words of encouragement. I didn't write that. Peter wrote that through the inspiration of the Lord. God is speaking to you today, church. If you are a true Christian, it's gonna be tough, but be encouraged because if you are suffering because of the names of Jesus, then be blessed because your, your presence here is temporary, but your presence in eternity is all eternal. So I don't know how many of you need to come down to these altars, but I'm gonna pray. And then I'm gonna put this microphone down and I'm gonna come to these altars. Because though I have, I preach to y'all, I have my own stuff and I need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I wanna be equal with you arm in arm to say, God, we want an outpouring of your Holy Spirit today. I'll be happy to pray with you if anybody wants to be prayed for, but let us come together as a church and ask God to fill us all brand new, fresh with the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. 
Jolly Father, thank you so much for being an awesome God. And thank you for the fact that we can come into your house and we can be watching online and we get the opportunity to seek out your presence. Your presence is not limited to a Sunday morning service. Your presence is not limited to a building. Your presence is everywhere. But God, we have to seek you. And the more we seek you, the more we find you. And the more we find you, the more we love you. And I pray right now for every single individual sitting in these seats and watching online, no matter what it is that they're dealing with in their lives, God, if they relate to the onlooker, if they relate to the reluctant participant, if they relate to the hypocrite or the one that's sold out and ready to go all in, God, I pray that you would still call them forth to these altars. And I pray that you will help us to come arm in arm as we ready ourselves for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I pray that in Acts that you will begin to send a rushing wind and fill us, God, with the Holy Spirit. Those who may have never been filled, I pray today it will happen. I am believing in faith it will happen. God, I pray right now for those who have been experiencing that for years. We'll begin to pray over those who've never experienced it. And God, that your Holy Spirit will take over today. At this point, I am done and it's all for you. And it's all you that's going to get the glory. I love you, God, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. These altars are open. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.